1: I uh I just hit the red record button, VJ. We're not we're not holding off for Brackenstein any longer, are we? I
2: guess not, man. I'm I'm honestly a little hurt. He couldn't cut out a little time for me, you know. So whatever, he's gonna miss the Magic. He's got,
1: apparently Bracken. Uh, I don't know if we didn't relay the the uh, meeting time properly, but Bracken's not here, but me and VJ are. That's what matters. I think Bracken will end up joining us in a little bit once he realizes he's late. So right now you got VJ and myself going at it. VJ, I uh, literally just pulled up my Instagram as I was waiting to chat with you. And I saw that you moved.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's a very uh, recent development. I've been here less than a week. Um, really haven't left the house very much just because we had so much stuff to pack. And uh, it's not just me. I moved with the uh, whole fam. So we all made it out to Colorado Springs and it is quite beautiful.
1: Why what, what did like what made this decision? Like how did this happen?
2: Well uh as I was saying earlier to you before the record button was hit. Uh yeah it was a very very quick development. It was not planned thing. It's not like last year we were like, yeah maybe we'll think about moving all this stuff. It was really like um beginning of this year, you know, things were going great, especially for like racing and my season everything was coming together really well. Um, And then COVID hit and everything shut down. And um, for those of of the listeners that don't know, I live with my uh, girlfriend's family Mm. and they owned a hair salon um, in L.A. So when COVID hit, their business came to a halt. And they're one of the things that have been hit the most, especially now, like the only state in the country where hair salons aren't allowed to operate is California. They're still closed.
1: Really? I did not know that.
2: Yeah. So everywhere else you can go to the hair salon, not California. It's still against the governor's order. So they were really like hit hard and they were just kind of frustrated. And the way that they run their business, the new laws and everything coming in, we're going to make it a lot harder for them to operate even before COVID. Just the way um, like small business and um, like independent contractors and stuff like that was going, it was just a, um, bad news for them in a lot of ways. Mm. So after COVID hit, they were like, man, we should just get out of here. And I think, um, my girlfriend's dad said that in passing, just like, yeah, we should really just pack up and move. And, uh, Sarah's mom heard that and was like, all right, we're leaving. Started looking at houses. And, uh, you know, then I was like, well, if we're going to move somewhere, I kind of want to get us to a place that I really like too. So my initial Uh interest was like, Uh, Flagstaff, which I'd never been to. I just heard like, oh, altitude, athletes, let's go there. And then I looked at it and it's like this small little college town and I didn't really want to go there. Um, So then we started looking around. They looked at Texas. We looked at all kinds of places. And finally, uh, I looked over at Colorado Springs and Mm. it seemed like this beautiful place that wasn't too different from where we were in the sense of uh, it still has the city and the shopping and things that we used to have really close, but then you're up at altitude, you're in the mountains. And it just seemed really beautiful. And for me, like I grew up in LA, so I was like, I don't want snow. I don't want to deal with any snow. So I was originally uh-huh. like, i am never moving to Colorado. It's way too much. But then I read about it and looked around and it's like, you get such a little snow here, you get like, you know, a few inches here and there and it melts in a couple of days and I'm ready for something different. So I'm stoked to be here. We got here last week. Um, we're six days in now, and uh, it's it's awesome. It's been wild, but uh, I love it.
1: That's sweet. So, how long was it from the time where you guys were like, "We're gonna move," to the time you actually moved? Like weeks?
2: Well, it's what is it? September first now. So we moved on the twenty seventh, I think, where it was when we got here. Yeah, got here the twenty seventh of August, but we decided that we were going to move, like not even where we were going to move, but that we were moving in like March, maybe. Oh, okay. March or April. And then we decided on a place and we came out, I think in May to visit here. And then we had a second trip out. So we made two trips out to look at houses, decided on one and made it out. And actually our realtor is uh, Robert Killian's wife, Maxine.
1: Oh, really? Small world? Yeah. No, but that's not by, that's like by design, not by coincidence, I assume.
2: No, it was by design. Like we found out she was a realtor and then we started talking to her and and she started giving us options and just kind of kept going. But yeah, she was awesome. She helped us find exactly what we're looking for because, I mean, Sarah's family is amazing. They really try to accommodate me, which is Uh awesome. Um, So we have a property here that's five acres. Um, So I'm going to be able to build like obstacles in the back. I'm going to be able to put a rig back there I've already cut out a 400 meter course in the backyard so training is definitely <laughs> happening over here so you're in deep you're fully committed I am yeah so, in uh, deep.
1: so do you think I mean wow so I just I saw this and you had mentioned when I was trying to set up the podcast because I was on the wrong time zone I assumed you were still on Pacific and you said bro I, I just moved um like I assume that this was like an athlete thing. Like, Hey, everybody's in like Colorado Springs or the Denver Boulder area. And it's time to step up my game. I assumed it was all on your own. So this move would, would not have been done. You don't think unless the family was on board.
2: No, I don't think so. Actually. Um, my plan was just to stay in California. I mean, I know plenty of athletes that have been competitive and built really good fitness and been able to race from a lower elevation. Um, I mean, look at Hunter. He's, before he started going out to Colorado in the last two years, he was mm. strictly in Malibu and, uh, you know, being a beast. So I uh, I was just going to continue working out there. And eventually I did want to move somewhere, uh, somewhere with some elevation in the mountains just uh, to make that change. But I, like in my life, my lifestyle right now, like I was not ready for that. You know, I was 21 working mm-hmm. part-time at a running shoe store and, and trying to pursue my, uh, my mud running dreams. So. Yeah, I wasn't like I wasn't necessarily a baller or anything, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, this it's an amazing opportunity for me. I'm, I'm mooching so hard, dude. I'm mooching way hard, but uh, so I you say know, you're you pretty committed. Do you do.
1: I mean, you moved in with the with the girlfriend's fam who has a you're you're modifying their backyard to fit your yeah. racing needs. I'd say you're pretty you're pretty in. I would say if people are listening to this. Yeah, some of your competition, like I would say this is a, a reason to to fear the VJ a little more if you get altitude acclimated and and submerse yourself in that mountain culture, because as an athlete, man, I mean, you, your short game has been pretty, pretty impressive, and your flat game has always been impressive, and not to say you're a poor climber, because you're not, but uh, I don't see like submerging yourself living there, man, it's only going to play to your benefit, huh?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get in the mountains. I mean, trails are so plentiful out here, and almost everywhere is just climbing. No matter where you go, you're going to get some climbing. So I'm, I'm really excited to, to dive into that. And, I mean, there's a lot of athletes right around here. Like Killian lives 15 minutes from me. Kent yep. lives about 30 minutes from me. So I've already got a workout with uh, Jack Bauer and, and Kent in. So I got some workout buddies out here, which is going to be great. And uh yeah, I'm excited when when Killian comes home to start bothering him a lot more. Get yeah, on him. Yeah. Pass real. the
1: torch. Pass the torch, brother.
2: But uh yeah, I'm gonna take advantage of of everything that this place has to offer. And uh, if I can become a good climber, I'd I'd love it. I mean, when I prep correctly for races, I can be a good climber. Um, I've just I keep having like these mishaps and races, like the one good climbing race that I had was Utah last year. And I was like really prepared for it. I got out there, I was climbing well. And then I just like, I didn't prep for the race, right? My nutrition was off and I uh, started cramping on the way down. So mm-hmm. yeah, historically I have a lot of problems in the mountains, but we're going to solve that. We're well, you know what?
1: Every time though, like, and we talk about this a lot, but like, as like you live, I think I live at like seven or 800 feet, 700 feet above sea level. You're even lower than that. And so, not only like you could be a great climber, it's just like every time we go climb, we're at six thousand plus feet coming from sea level. So you never really even know what your capability is. Sure, in training, I bet you were crushing the mountains in Malibu and in LA area, and and because you were it was a level playing field.
2: Yeah, that's that's true. Every time we go to uh, do some climbing, it's always at a ski resort or something where it's way up high. So, yeah, yeah, I mean. I think I have an advantage now right here at the front door. I think we're at like 7,550 feet or something. So oh, you're you're
1: sleeping at 7,500 feet?
2: Yeah, it's really high. So when we first got here, dude, I was dying. I would, tried to go for a run. Like there's some trails in the neighborhood that we moved into. Mm-hmm. I, went, I ran like three miles and I was just sucking wind, dude. My heart rate was like 165 and I'm running like 10-minute pace just right. trying to get used to it. Every time I run up the stairs, dude, I'm gassed. So but it's starting to get better. I mean, even in just the week that we've been here, it's uh, it's been awesome and I'm, uh, I'm starting to acclimate like a little bit in the easy runs. Intensity is still nowhere near like close, but, mm-hmm. but it's good. It's a lot of fun. Dude, You
1: 7,500 feet is like, I think the sweet spot is in like that seven to 8,000 range and then go down for some speedy stuff if you need to to like five or 6,000 feet when you need to hit the track. That's a perfect plan, dude. Um. So I don't know what Bracken's doing, so we're just going to keep rolling forward. I haven't heard from him, but um, what I want to do with you today is obviously like I want to touch on the fact that if I were in your shoes and the way you've been emerging in this sport, like you must be a little bit frustrated that you're not able to display like your up and coming race, you know, tenacity. Am I, am I not incorrect in saying that?
2: You mean just for this year? Like, well, yeah, yeah like so... you got to be pretty damn hungry. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, after last year, last year was probably like a real like proving year. My season last year was really good. The beginning of the season, I think I was like untouchable on a flat course. Um,
1: Dude, your Seattle performance was your Seattle performance was one of the best performances I've seen by an athlete since I've started Spartan Race. You fell thank off you. the wall and reeled in Ryan Atkins on a pretty gritty course after the burpees like that is not an easy thing to do when ryan atkins gets a lead i've never seen him give it up not that i can recall and you managed to reel him in after something like that so i know your fitness was good
2: thank you man uh yeah that was honestly that day that race was heartbreaking for me um but afterwards, looking back, I'm really, really proud of the way I performed. Like, because I used to have a pretty weak mindset in racing. Like, if things went wrong, I would kind of shut down and fall back and just try to salvage. That was one of the first real times that I said, you know what, like, I'm not out of this. And one of the reasons that happened was because I was running next to Kent. We both fell off the seawall at the same time. Mm-hmm. And we got, uh, like, a half mile down after finish um half mile past the Z wall after we'd done our burpees and everything, and he said, he looked over at me and he said, um, we have the whole race still ahead of us. And I was like, wait a minute, like mm. we're not that far back. I looked up, I saw Atkins, I saw Kempson, and we were in like, I think third and fourth at the time. And I was like, dude, this is possible.
1: Mm-hmm. And I just
2: went to work. And that was really a, a like a, a turning point for me like with my mindset that I come into races. Cause I came to that race. I thought I already won the race. I was on the start line. Like, dude, I'm going to win. And then when I didn't win, it honestly took like a minute at the start line for it to sink in that I had lost. I couldn't even believe it. Like I, I worked so hard and after I caught Atkins with like a Mm -hmm. half mile to go, I'm like, dude, I won. I'm going to take him right here. And then he fought back and beat me on those last few obstacles. And I was like, no way. Like, yeah, how did, how did this happen? So,
1: such a um, good race, though, man. That was such a good race to watch. It was so impressive, and I feel like that. And th- I don't want to dwell on this because I want to go back to like where you began with all your endurance training, and then we'll talk current day. But um, like that didn't get enough credit. Like that did not get the credit it deserved. And Kent too for coming back. Um, but you in particular, you would have won that race by two minutes, a minute and a half. It might have been a smash fest, to be honest.
2: Well. It, it you never know i mean he backed off and cruised it in and and stuff like that but i don't know you never know but uh, i was really proud of my performance not just physically but also my mental game and, and that was that was amazing for me and i think i had a pretty strong rest of the season i had like you know a good performance at noram in the 3k mm-hmm. that i trained for so uh, i was really excited for this year you know after jacksonville and um Getting kind of a late start for that. I was really excited to go to Seattle to come back, get a little redemption there and continue with the rest of the season. But what can you do?
1: Yeah, what can you do? Well, I'm going to ask you about what you've been doing. But um, what I want to know is this. so I actually don't know a ton about your background. And I've listened to a couple of podcasts with you on them. And you haven't really gotten into it as far as I know. And I think young kid... Uh, what are you, 20 or 21? How old are you right now? 21. Yep. You're 21. Congratulations. There's not a beer in that mug that you're drinking out of, is there?
2: Nah, pure water in my Warrior Dash mug.
1: Did you okay. get that Did you get that Warrior Dash mug for winning or
2: something? I think so. Uh, I think this might yeah. have been at Warrior Dash World Championships.
1: Nice. I don't remember,
2: Sorry. but yeah, I still got it. I hold on to the memorabilia I pick up over the years.
1: Well, okay, sweet. Well, I actually have a Warrior Dash mug too, so suck it. But anyway, <laughs> um, so like I think like back to myself when I was 21 uh, and I was so focused on the collegiate running aspect and getting speedy And and granted there wasn't Spartan races or obstacle course racing. Like I don't think I would have entertained it. And I know that you ran in high school and you were a decent high school runner and the attempt or the allure to go and pursue that, like you're a guy that went against the grain. Like you probably made decisions that coaches – friends teammates didn't really approve of or understand is that right to pursue spartan racing
2: yeah um in a sense so when i started you know running in high school and uh really pursuing it i got really good in in cross country and started having some good times like my freshman year and going into my sophomore year things were looking really good um and i was at a school with good coaching and uh a good team to to really push each other and I wasn't the fastest guy on the team. I was second fastest, but it was really close. So mm. I always had that neck, that push to get there. So, um, yeah, I mean, things were going really great. I had a couple letters from colleges come through like UCLA and stuff my sophomore year. And, um, you know, that was like blinders were on. I was like, that's where I'm going. Yeah. And, uh, a lot of stuff changed. I had some like family complications uh, my sophomore year and I ended up moving in with my dad. I was living with my mom at the time down in Orange County. Okay. And I moved north, up north of L.A., where I lived for a lot of years there, um, went to a new school, not as great of coaching. Um, I went from being the second fastest on my team to being the fastest in the entire uh, scholastic section, like yeah. the Los Angeles section was not impressive. So there wasn't a lot of competition. There wasn't coaching at my school. And um, yeah, it was, it was rough. I didn't make a lot of progress after my sophomore year because I didn't really... I didn't take it on my, like, put it in my own hands to to educate myself and learn how to train to get to that next level. So I sat basically at, like, you know, upper 15s in the 5K my, the rest of my high school career. And that was the best I could do because I didn't know how to train past that. I would just kept mm-hmm. doing the same training that the, the coaches were giving me, and I never made it anywhere. So that was that was weird. So... I didn't get like many offers from colleges and stuff just because my results fell back. I think if I had the right coaching, if I you know knew what I knew now, it probably could have done a lot better. But uh, yeah, so throwing back to my sophomore year, my dad actually found this local obstacle race called a, uh, a rugged maniac. Oh, yeah. And he said, you got to go do this. And I was just like you said, uh, focused on running. And I said, no, I'm not messing around with that. I don't want to get hurt. I got to stay together for my team. I got to run mm-hmm. and that's it and uh yeah he had so much fun watching him race that that i was like i said screw it dude i'm gonna hop in and then i started racing all these local little races and my results were good i was winning almost every like little local mud run um that i could find and i started focusing more on that once i moved to this other high school because like competition wasn't really s- steep there i didn't have to work like hard Yep. Yeah. when so I started just putting on more strength and, and keeping my running the same, which was actually a good combo, because I turned out to be one of the faster runner at these events. And then after I got a little more serious in it, I thought, like, you know, I got to try a Spartan race. I hadn't done one in the two years I'd been running around. So I found one I found the Malibu sprint in December and you know i had i had my idols i was looking at like hunter on instagram and stuff and he said come out wear a 20 pound weight vest and try to beat me and all uh-huh. stuff like that so i knew they were going to be there so i was excited um but i didn't know how much more difficult how much more competitive spartan race was than everything else yeah so i got on that start line with all these big muscly dudes and if you can imagine my same frame 20 pounds lighter yeah. Like I don't look heavy by like as I am right now. And you can imagine 20 pounds less. Like I was not ready for that.
1: I've seen um, photos. Did I see photos of you maybe at that warrior dash that you're holding the cup and you look like, I mean, you look like a, ch- uh, a boy amongst men. Would that be about right?
2: That's it, man. Like I, yeah, I look a little older now, but I was definitely just a kid. Like if you look at that, that mustache, you got going,
1: that mustache you got going. As I, I as
2: just, as well. I had to pack all my, my shaving, like, equipment on my move. So I unfortunately can't shave, but keep keep it going. It looks good. But anyways, continue. Yeah. So show up at the Spartan race, uh, and I took off running and I was able to keep up with the top guys. Turned out that guy was Glenn race and I was following close behind him and, uh, kept kept it in second place. And I, and my thoughts were like, dude, this race pays out. I'm going to make money. No way. Like, I was so excited. Like, I'm going to make like $200. Like, Uh it's going to be amazing. So uh, then we got to the Herkhoist that was like three miles in and everything fell apart. Like, I I was probably about the same weight as the bag. So it took me almost two, two and a half minutes to pull the bag. And I fell back to like eighth place, was able to run myself into fourth. And uh, after that, I got hungry. I was like, I know what I need to do. So I started hitting the weight room with the football players uh, after cross country practice and really started focusing, came back to the SoCal race the next year and won it. And, uh, that, that was my, my first Spartan race victory when I was 16. And, uh-huh. uh, yeah, that was, that just got the ball rolling. Once I saw like how competitive it is and, um, that it's actually a sport, you know, I was watching the NBC races on TV and all this awesome stuff. So I was like, dude, I want to get involved with this. Like it seemed a lot more up my alley. Cause as an athlete in high school, like I was good, but that was all. I was good. I was good at almost everything. I went to state for cross country and 3 the 300 meter hurdles. Oh, so wow. I could You're I in could, the
1: 300 meter hurdles.
2: Yes. Oh. Yeah.
1: Oh, hold on. Really?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I did the 300s. Uh Did
1: I you I loved go, it. I was Did you go to state in distance events on top of the 300 hurdles? Cuz that yeah, may be was, like the first in American high school history.
2: Well, I went, I didn't go for track because I started focusing on sprints and track, but uh, I went to state twice for cross country. And then I went to state for the 300 meter hurdles as well.
1: I had no idea. This all makes a little more sense to me too, hearing it. You were a hurdle athlete. 300 meter hurdles is a painful race and you cannot be slow. You have to be on top of a lot of aspects of your fitness. Um, Do you think, I'm just like thinking out loud here and like Man, do I believe that like the the trajectory of your history could be a lot different if you never left that that high school initially.
2: I I totally agree with that. Like, I I think about that sometimes. Like, what if I had stayed at that school? Because I had the decision I could stay there, you know, with the complications and weirdness of my family, or I could move to a different environment. And I and I chose you know the latter. But if I would have stayed at a focused school with good coaches and you know, I don't know where I would have ended up because I was running really good times at the time. So it it could have been really good. So uh, who knows, but I probably would have stayed really focused on running and been a strictly running athlete. And I probably would have been in college right now doing that. But yeah, a lot of things changed. Um, but still, I was I was like a jack of all trades athlete. I could be good at almost anything, but I was never the great One right i was never the state champion in an event i was just i could get to state in almost anything like i was one of the top in my city and in high jump as well like i I did a little bit of everything Uh, i grew up racing uh bmx and i raced mountain bikes in high school too I, i did a lot of things so finding obstacle racing this thing that combined you know this adventurous aspect with endurance and strength and all this stuff it was just Kind of right up my alley. It just combined a lot of things that I already like to do into a, a competitive scene. So I think eventually I might have ended up there anyways, maybe a little further down the road. But yeah, this way I got an earlier start.
1: Yeah, that's kind of wild. Um, so you ran, you were a high 15s, 5Ker on a cross country course in high school. Yeah. And you ran that early in your career, like sophomore year and then kind of stayed there or what?
2: Well, I got a little faster in my like junior and senior year, um, like 15, 20 seconds, maybe. Um, not a lot, but like, I think my three mile on a flat course, my sophomore year, I think I did a 15, like 20 or something like that. But that was, that was a three mile, right? Not the 5K. Yep. So I got a couple seconds faster later on. Like I probably could have ran around 15 flat on a flat course or maybe just under. But then I started running about that same 15, 20 time on a really hilly course that we had. Because when I went to L.A. City section, we ran all of our races the same course the whole year, the same course all the way through. So all of my league meets and then the, you know sectional meets were all at the same place and it was really hilly. It was just constant climbing. There was no flat points. So my estimation of running 1520 on a hilly course was that I could probably get around 15 flat, maybe high 14s. So right about there, pushing that into the 5k, it would have been about high 15s. Never got to run the 5k, unfortunately, because everything was three mile in high school, but Mm -hmm. yeah, right about there.
1: That's quick. I mean, California, I don't know if maybe our listeners know, but like California's kind of breeds like high end distance runner runners as well. Though you have a huge state, you have a lot of talent. It takes something like very, very significant to stand out
2: there. Yeah. More there's,
1: so than other states.
2: Yeah, there's there's uh especially in southern section. Um Southern California breeds these insane athletes, man. Like there's a kid right now, like a his name's Nico Young, and he's in Southern Section. And this kid is just unbelievably fast. Like, he's – I think he went sub four in the mile this year. As a high schooler. High schooler. Yeah. Unbelievable. Like, that's not – that doesn't even make sense to me. Like, I'm hoping to run in the 420s, you know, by the end of the year here. And, uh-huh. you know, I got years on the kid, so unbelievable.
1: Yeah. Um, when did you when did you start with athletics? Like take us even a little further back what, as far as like when when did you one know, realize that you were like decent runner and two, like what sports did that all start with?
2: Well, the first sport that I got involved with was BMX, which is like imagine doing a 400 on your bicycle. But mm-hmm. then it has like jumps and berms along the way. Um, there's a lot of YouTube videos that my dad uploaded. If you're ever curious, look up Kidzilla. You'll see what, what we're talking about. Wait, wait, are, are you Kidzilla or is the I circuit was, Kid, Kidzilla? <laughs> I, was, I was Kidzilla back in the day. That was Kidzilla. Racing, racing alter ego. But you're making, uh, yeah, me,
1: so, you're making me want to pull up my YouTube on my phone right now and see what like, my Kidzilla You might have like.
2: to. Look up, All right.
1: So I bet much. you there's. I bet you there's multiple hundreds of people looking up Kidzilla right now as they're listening to this. Continue. <laughs> yeah,
2: so, uh, I started racing BMX when I was four years old. I won my first national when I was five. Um, How does so somebody I, get
1: into BMX racing at four years old?
2: You get small wheels and a small bicycle, man. You just get on there and you start shredding.
1: No, 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 no. How do you even know it's an option at four years old? Like you're like jumping curbs and feeling badass, and then dad's well, like. Hey, son, like go rip up the real race here.
2: Well, my dad is actually uh quite the badass athlete himself. He he grew up racing motocross and, and he was always in the downhill mountain bikes and that kind of thing. So I, I was on a bike as soon as I could possibly be and riding around and jumping and riding around the trails with my dad and um he dabbled in a little bit of BMX back in the day. So I started doing the same and uh yeah, I, I turned out to be pretty good at it like When I was probably 11, 12, I was going to go pro BMX. Like that was my plan. But then I started learning about it. I realized like all these pros just do it for fun. Like there's no money in this sport. If you're going to try to be pro in this, you're going to be poor. So kind of moved on from that. Isn't that how Spartan racing is too? A little bit. There's a little yeah. more opportunity. It's Spartan Race, actually, but there's nothing in BMX, man. Like, you're not gonna get okay. anything. It's just for the love of the sport.
1: But you can get a limited monster in Mountain Dew.
2: Oh, for sure, dude. Yeah, there was a an energy drink that came out that was sponsoring a bunch of races for a while and everyone was hooked on. It's it called Balls Garana. And <laughs> and this off-brand energy drink that everyone was just all hyped on, and people were winning them at races, like, yeah, like I got a pack of balls. So yeah, but that's that that's what that was. But um yeah, I got into started getting to high school age and it just kind of faded out. I don't know, I was winning races, I was doing really well and I don't know, I think I just kind of lost interest, got more interested in like mountain biking and stuff. So I was doing mm-hmm. that for fun. Um but my mom ran cross country in high school and she always talked about it. She loved running and uh you know, for I was like, "Dude, I want to do that too. My parent, my mom did it. I want to try it." Yeah. Um, so I got into cross country and it turned out I was, I was a pretty decent runner. Like I ran a couple like little track meets when I was in elementary school, just because they had the little thing like, "Who's a fast runner here?" And you'd raise your hand, and you're going to go to the track meet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. You're going to compete. And you're going to see how you can do. But uh, so I ran a little bit, but not like I never trained or anything. So once I got to high school, that was actually when I started running and realized I was really good and realized I actually loved doing it too. So that's when everything started and you already know what happened in high school and starting yep, to get yep. into the CR and just slowly progressing. Yeah.
1: It took till high school for you to know that you actually were onto something good though.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Running. Like I knew I was a good athlete, but I never thought of running as like the, a sport for me. Like I'm going to get into just running fast, like racing. Like it, I ne- it, honestly, thinking back, it never even occurred to me. That you could just compete running like it wasn't a thing. Yeah, Again, yeah, yeah. I used to watch the Olympics and stuff, but I, know. I was never like, "Yeah, I'm gonna run around that track too." I was like, "Dude, no, I'm gonna get on my bicycle. And I'm gonna go hit some jumps. Like that's my speed." So yeah, we did that, and uh, yeah, once once I hit high school, I realized like it's really competitive and it's it's awesome to pursue fitness in that sense. Oh, what's up? Is Bracken gonna come? I got to call from
1: Bracken. Yeah. Hey, Bracken.
2: I'm really sorry.
1: That's okay. You're live on our podcast on speaker on the uh, oh, phone right, right now, huh? Well, we started. Do you want to join us? Do you, can you make that happen?
0: I am 10 minutes away from the
1: house, and then I can join. Sweet.
0: I put
1: it down as 3 o'clock. Oh. On accident, I assume?
0: Yeah, on accident. I'm here with Matt Kenson. on
1: speaker here. Yeah. Matt Kempson and I just got done playing tennis. Matt Kempson, you're with Bracken Cracker right now? Yeah, we're just laying it down on the court. I did not know that was happening. This is a running public first. Bracken missing the start time and having Matt Kempson on the podcast. What an honor. And VJ Jones, just a group of legends.
2: This is amazing.
1: All right, I'm putting the blame on you. Yeah, I i mean, that's a
2: good one. I'll give it to you.
1: I would have prioritized Matt Kempson over VJ Jones, too.
2: <laughs> no one's seen my backhand, dude. No one's seen this backhand on the court, though.
1: Do you want to just hop on, Bracken, when you get back? Yeah,
0: as soon as I get home, I'll jump on.
1: All right, cool. <laughs> See, ya. See ya. All right, we're just going to keep rolling. I don't know if that's going to make the final cut, VJ, or not, but
2: we're going to find out. <laughs> dude. We're I haven't played tennis in so long. I need to get back on that grind. We moved into a gated community, so I, have, I think I have a tennis court that's like the little community center. So you're going to see some Instagram videos. All right. I just want to know
1: how Matt Kempson and Bracken Cracker are together right now in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I can't really piece that one together uh, at all, so I'm going to ask. Um, what were you talking about? So I wanted to know something too, actually, as you were talking about this all. Something I've been curious about personally. Is how do you answer the question of not going to college on the education front and pursuing your like athletic career right now? Like, what do you say to people when they question you about that? Like, what, why, why have you decided to do that?
2: Well, first and foremost, I'm an athlete and that's what I like to do. And if I was gonna go to college, I was gonna go to college specifically for athletics and I was thinking about getting into decathlon when I left high school. I wanted to, I knew I was good at everything. So when I put like this nice package together of all these different events. So I was going to look, I was looking at a couple decathlon programs at some smaller colleges near me. And I had a couple offers and you know, I was, uh, I was actually going to go down that route. I was going to do like maybe a community college at first just to get some like easy requirements and stuff out of the way as far as scholastics. But then I got this call from Robert Koble. And if, for those of you that don't know, Robert Koble is like the head referee of Spartan race. And at the time he was the head of the Spartan pro team. Yep. And he said, would you like to be a part of the Spartan pro team? And this is right out of high school. And what year is this? This is 2016, the end of 2016, the summer I graduated and i was like hell yeah dude you want to pay me to travel around the country run in the mud with a bunch of other athletes and i get to do it for free like yes absolutely um so that pretty much made my decision for me like i was still mm-hmm. like floating around the idea of of going to college and that kind of thing but i'm not a student like in in high school like i did enough to pass like yeah i i For example, like a couple of my senior classes, I turned in no homework, but I aced all the tests and I averaged to C and I graduated and Mm -hmm. like, your heart wasn't in it. No, like I, I educate myself in the things that I'm really interested in. Like I have a lot of books on running and training and and books on athletes and stuff. So that, that stuff really interested me. And I just, I just was, I'm not a student. That's not my thing. Like I'm not a scholar and you know, Tons of respect to the people that are like my girlfriend. She's in college and she's doing all these classes and working their ass off, and you know, props to her, but that's just not me. So, I had the opportunity to go and and make money and be an athlete and travel around the country, and I wasn't going to miss that. And, uh, so blame Robert Koble, you know, he called me and wanted to put me on the the Spartan Pro team. So, I took that opportunity right away. It wasn't even a question.
1: That had to be pretty alluring, I would say, especially at that age. I, uh, and I would say anybody that. You know, like for example, I chose college co- mostly because I still wanted to run competitively, and I got recruited, like any high level runner. And I wasn't even running as fast as you in high school. And and I chose running because yeah. so it, it was running based, not education based, and and the education was like a nice side benefit. So like I just think you have like a very unique like pathway there that most wouldn't have the opportunity to have. I guess my curiosity is. As like an 18-year-old in 2016, were you offered money on like a Spartan race contract or any incentives back then? Because everything's so different now. Now it's like they hand out pennies and people just take them, you know. So it's different now. But in 2016,
2: they were still paying people. They were paying some people. Now that I'm not associated with Spartan, I can say whatever I want, not get in trouble. But I I, I was making an... I wasn't making any money. They were just covering my travel uh, out to the races, which I mean is good, especially for someone, expensive. someone at my age, like traveling around uh, sometimes by myself. Like that was huge. But then again, I did burn through my budget pretty quickly. And when I went to West Virginia, my first year, I brought a tent because I was ready to camp out somewhere on the venue because I burned through my budget already. That, that, was, 20, that was 2017. 2017, so 2016, they invited me on the Pro Team for 2017 because this was like most of the way through the year already. Yep. But yeah, it was a uh, uh, honestly a good decision for me. I uh, I loved doing it. It was hard, and it woke me up to to seeing all these top athletes. Like when I showed up, the first race of the U.S. National Series in 2017 was in Seattle, and I lined up on the start line, and they called me over the wall, which was really really cool. I didn't expect that called me over the wall and I pulled up and I'm looking, you know, Ryan Atkins is right there. Like at the time I hadn't raced with any of these guys, not the way that I have now and the way that I know everyone now. So first time I'm like, Ryan Atkins is right there. Ryan Kent's right there. Hobie Call is standing next to me. Like mm-hmm. th- it was like a dream come true. Like all these people that I had kind of idolized and looked up to over the last couple of years, like they're right there. And I was going to get to race with them. You know, Bracken yeah. was there and mm-hmm. I-, I just, it was all I I was there too. I was my first, like, I, I remember, I remember, I think I saw a photo. Like I was looking at my
1: my first, like ever real big boy race. Yeah. I got crushed, but continue.
2: Yeah. Me me too. I mean, uh, that double sandbag, like I was not ready for that. I was still, you know, like 150 pounds or something like that. So I was pretty lightweight guy. Um, and I just didn't have enough strength for some of those things, but yeah, I mean, uh, it was amazing to get to line up on the start line and learn from these guys. And, and most most everyone in this sport is really awesome and, and really helpful to people. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of camaraderie. Like if I ever had questions for Hobie or Bracken or... Uh, dude, my shoe came untied at that race. And fricking Bracken yells at me how to tie my shoe as he comes running by me. Like, really, don't tie loops, just knots and go. And I'm like, okay. And he's like <laughs> yelling at me. Multiple times during races. Bracken has yelled advice at me while racing. He may stop
1: doing that. I think everybody's gonna stop giving you advice during races. I think you're past that point now.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like before he was telling me like how to at one point he told me how to carry the bucket. Like it might have been that same race. Like I was running downhill with the bucket and he's like, dude, like skip, shuffle sideways, and you'll get a little more speed. And I'm like, Oh dude, what what an amazing technique. So I mean, Coach Bracken coming in clutch even at my, my first U.S. National Series race.
1: Uh-huh. But,
2: yeah, I, I I honestly don't think I would have made a different decision like going back, like look where I am now. I'm I'm really stoked and yeah. Can you tell
1: me why something I want to know and we talked about it a bit on the podcast is like where the hell are all the young guys? Where are all the young good guys at? Are they all running college right now? Or are they like, like you are the next generation that has become the current generation because you're good enough to. And suddenly, you know, you're, you're a household name if you pay attention to Spartan. So i just don't understand. Like I can't think of one other guy that's even close to you. That's in his early twenties or late
2: teens. Where are all the guys or girls? Well, there's before we dive into this, there is one girl that's very young that has popped up and she's a beast yeah, Her name is Lily Lily Elkin. I don't yeah, know. Right, her, I she
1: did well in Jacksonville this year. She did
2: well in Jacksonville. She won both days in Sacramento. And she, I, I forget how old she is. She's like 18. She's in the same position that I was coming in, but maybe even a little better. As far, Compared to some of the women, she might be a little better than I was at that age. So look out for her coming up. She is a beast. And okay. she's incredibly strong. She finished like... Top fifteen in Tahoe or something. Top twenty in the elites, but she was racing age group.
1: Uh, but her she, time wasn't was she, wasn't she like top? I don't know five between like fifth and seventh place at Jacksonville, the first race of the year this year.
2: Yes, I believe so. She, I think she finished fifth actually. Fifth, okay, because she was in the in the standings for the Jack Bowers rankings, and nobody chose her because nobody knew she was come. Like uh-huh. give her a couple years, and she'll be like me or better like in 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 my like rise so really exciting there to see another young person like coming through but
1: well like i i think just interrupt you real quick like we see like younger guys that you've connected with like james nair i believe his name is or john penland who are the only younger guys that i think i know that take this serious on the elite level and john penland got distracted with college I distracted, I guess you could use in quotes like or he's focused on college, <laughs> he's but
2: focused on college. he's
1: focused on college and suddenly we haven't seen John Penlin. I I know James Nair, I believe, is still kind of working things pretty hard, but like is there anybody else? I and mean, we are we
2: missing some people? Um I think you'll see some more people come through. Uh, but a lot of kids, especially like the good runners, like someone like me that was a good runner in high school, they don't make the turn to go to OCR first. They go to college first. So you're going to see people come out of college because I've already received messages like this year. Like anyone that's young and getting into the sport and starts paying attention, a lot of times they message me and they ask for advice or something. And like some college kid reached out to me the other day and he's like, yeah, I'm graduating college soon. He's like, I can run a 30-30 in the 10K and I'm 180 pounds. Watch out. And I'm like, well, you're probably in a pretty good position right now to show up and figure it out. And he has in his Instagram bio, future Spartan world champion. And unfortunately, I don't think he got his chance this year. But like there are people coming. Do you remember his name? I don't remember his name, man. I'll find it and I'll let you know. But uh, yeah, so there are people like that. Like you can also look at like Hobie Call's son. Hawk, I think his name is. He he did a couple obstacle races and uh, he's really good too. Like he's a fast kid. And I think he's probably focused on the college route right now. But I wouldn't be surprised if he followed, you know, his father's footsteps a little bit and dabbled in OCR after he got out of college. But a lot of kids like it's starting to get more serious. This sport is starting to get taken a little more serious where like probably before when when I first got into it, even then it wasn't as competitive and as recognized where people Mm -hmm. would try to pursue obstacle racing and change what they've been working for for the last, you know, eight years of their life. And and start focusing on you know mountain running and, and strength training as well. Because a lot of these kids, they come out of college and say they're a really good college athlete. They want to try to go pro and what they've been doing to totally turn and try to put on 10 pounds to be competitive at this. It's a it's a big change. But I think in the next like two, three years, you will start seeing people start coming out because now a lot of kids are able to grow up in OCR. Think about that, like with the kids' race and everything. Yep. Some of these kids. I was at Spartan Kids World Championships in December, and those kids are beastly. Mm-hmm. Like the two-mile race, these kids were flying. They ran like a 13-minute like a two-mile or something Went with off. all the obstacles. They were yeah. flying, dude. Didn't There's, you videotape some of that stuff? Yeah, story. I, I tried to film as much as I could of that. It was amazing. Bracken, you were beautiful.
0: Born this way. Well, Kirk, I'm here.
1: Hey, man. Thanks oh, for
0: joining. My apologies. That's that's disrespectful.
1: Well, and we would have pushed. We would have pushed it off. I, I would have been happy to, but VJ said he had to roll roughly at two thirty his time, which is an hour from now. So I said, well, we just should probably go. We waited like ten or fifteen minutes and then just rolled. So yeah. I figured that was <laughs> best case scenario. We pretty much have just fumbled over our words without you here for an hour. So. I mean, it's understandable. You are the glue. No, so we were talking about, we were just, we kind of led through just the speed jump. So we kind of got through VJ's background, right, VJ, And we got through um, him choosing not to go to college, being a Spartan racer instead, that whole journey, talking about, and we left the conversation, we were just talking about. Um, like where are all the young guys? Like, why has this sport not seen the next upcropping of people other than like you? And I mentioned John Penland and like James Nair. That's pretty much all I know. And we were just diving into that
2: conversation.
0: It's an interesting one because he would know better than us. I have my theories. You have your theories, but he's kind of lived it.
2: Yeah. I As I was saying before we took our little break, our pee break, um, Yeah. we, uh, it, a lot of athletes like if you've been running high school, you know, cross country and track for four years and then, you know, the natural thing all through high school, they're telling you we're getting you ready for college, We're getting you ready for college. It's just drilled into everyone's head. A lot of people don't know that there's alternative routes, like even for not being an athlete, but just having a career. There's a lot of things you can do that aren't four year schools, things that you can get into trade schools, anything Um So a lot of people just end up going to college because it's just so drilled into our heads. But also as an athlete, you want to continue competing at what you've been working at for the last four years. You go to college, that's where you're going to do it. So um, my route going into a completely different sport right out of high school, like changing focus is going to be hard for people to do, even at a college, right? So say the top runners in college, they're going to try to go pro because now eight years in they've been running their asses off and they want to continue to do that. So it's, uh, yeah. it's going to be hard for people to to change focus into something like obstacle racing, because it's so much different. And it's not as recognized either yet. I'm, I'm hoping uh, alternatively,
0: but. The funny part to me, and I, I lived that a bit too, you know, I went right from college track to OCR within six months of graduating. Wow. That's rare, by the way, you're the exception, not the rule. I feel like. Yeah. And I graduated as Spartan wrapped up their like their or started up their second year. The first year was not a huge year. So I was just lucky, but I got all the crap from all my teammates and all the runners I knew, but, and, and not to like blow smoke about my own accomplishments. I've earned more in OCR than any other runner that I ever ran with on any team I was ever with. So you have the guys that like We'll look down, even if we know OCR, we wouldn't do that. We're going to grind for that pro contract, which might be shoes and like $400 a month stipend for like half of your, a quarter of your rent. You know, there's just not money that yeah. goes around in U.S. distance running unless you are the very top. And yet, VJ, I would assume that last year, what your take home just from prize money, not even sponsorships, is yeah. more than all, but probably three or four U.S. distance runners made last year? Uh,
2: I don't know what they're putting in their pockets, but I would say it's definitely a lot better than running five K's because yeah. you know, even, even in the OCR community, like elites are pretty nice to each other. We, we like to help each other and everything in running, they can get pretty nasty, man, because there's so little available and so many people starving for that money. They're just, mm-hmm. uh, like yeah, a local five K pays out $500. You're going to see some amazing athletes show up to that and they're mm-hmm. all just fighting for that $500 when that's just a local race for us mm-hmm. so it, it it is definitely a different world but it's it it makes me question where like you know some of the top you know runners in the world are but then again occasionally they have shown up and they have faltered
1: my my theory on uh, not a lot of young guns here yet is what you'd mentioned, they're either doing the college route, which is the traditional route, which makes a lot of sense. And two, we do have some kids' race athletes that that's being instilled in pretty young and they're taking it serious. They just haven't grown up enough yet since this has been taken seriously. And I think, like as a generation, like five years from now, eight years from now, like I think you're going to see a whole influx of like specialists that are like 16, 17, 18. There's going to be a lot of VJ Jones coming up in like, the next half a decade, their time just hasn't arrived quite yet. And they're gonna choose it over like high school running or they're gonna add it in with purpose or over college running. I think it's about to happen, we're just not quite there.
2: I I totally agree with that. Like uh, right before we took our break, I was talking about the uh, Spartan Kids World Championships last year and the kids that were the top performers there. Like those top three kids were great runners, like going into high school cross country, they're gonna be really good but they have the strength and the coordination to be able to do these obstacles that a lot of normal runners wouldn't have. So take like one kid I'm thinking about. He lives in Jacksonville. I went and saw him when I paid a visit there last year. Um, His name's Vincent Jackson, and he got second at uh, Spartan Kids World Championships. And he focuses on OCR a lot. And he like, planned on I'm going to do kids races this year because that's my age. And now he's moving into age group racing, which he's at the bottom end of his age group, which is like, what is it? 14 to 16 or something like that. And, you know, focusing on a sport like this, I don't, no, one's done it yet. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen someone that here the grown closest. Up. Yeah. No. I mean, I, I started racing when I was, you know, 15, 14 or 15, and I was still like splitting time with cross country, which a lot of these kids probably will do. But now they're probably going to start putting more value into, you know, OCR rather than, you know, I do a couple obstacle course races, but I'm a runner at heart. Like these kids are using cross country to train for OCR. So the kids that grow up and have, you know, almost ten years of experience by the time they hit the elite field, it's going to be very interesting to see.
0: the The crazy part is the difference in reward for what you do. And I'm not thinking that people should stop running cross-country because cross-country is a great foundation and it teaches you how to race. Same thing with track. You learn how to race many different styles. However, you win a cross-country race or a track race and the next day people laugh at you when you run by in short shorts or like they announce it on the announcements and people are like, all right, how'd the football team do? But you win your age group at a Spartan race and someone comes up and asks for a picture with you. And people are like, you, you, the, the instant gratification of our sports because people respect it at a different level is also something that I think can sway that next level of kids coming up. It's a good point.
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, that that's true. Like thinking about how the people that are in the sport respect it a lot. People from the outside don't, I don't, people that haven't done it don't know, right? How difficult just, completing a race is let alone performing at the top of the people that are there so yeah yeah it's a good point
0: well and then the gear and sponsorships high school kid can't even take a mug if he wins it at a 5k because it's a violation you go to a spartan rice you're, you're looking at gear potential sponsorships for a 15 year old kid someone giving them food and and shoes and gear and maybe some money like that's better than getting made fun of for running cross-country with the team. Mm. Yeah, I've seen
2: some, some kids starting to get sponsorships, man. Like, uh, I think there's this girl in California, her name's uh, Caitlin Lawrence, and she's sponsored by, like, that Yerba Mate Tea, and she's sponsored by, like, a sock company and stuff. Like, that's amazing, getting all this gear and stuff. And, I mean, I landed, like, a little sponsorship, I think, like, Invigorate or something when I was still in high school, and they were just giving me, like, drinks. But I didn't tell I didn't tell the uh the high school about it, so I think we were good.
1: Yeah, I want to know do you you don't have this perspective because you you chose not to run college and I, I understand that after you explained it to me, it makes perfect sense. I think if I was proposed or called by Robert Koble as a 16-year-old, I may have made the same choice. I don't know. It would have been a very hard decision to make. Um for me, college did a lot for me, and for Bracken college did a lot for Bracken. I mean, for my senior year of high school, I was a 431 miler and I ran 411 basically as a freshman in high school. I got into college, college, sorry. I got plugged into a really good program. I ran with a bunch of good guys and college structured running with a group of elite level runners. And we were a great division three school, did a ton for me, a ton for me. If I would have jumped into, let's say, OCR immediately after that, uh, I think it would have been a very dangerous situation. I think I would be light years beyond where I am today. And I think age and some other things have gotten gotten a little bit in the way of that. But what I'm asking is, do you ever wonder, though, like if you did go to a high-level run program, like where you might be now that you aren't even yet? Like, yes, you're doing well, but do you believe you could be doing better? Does that bother you at all?
2: You know, I've, yeah, I've, I've contemplated this, like, what if I had stayed at my first high school? What if I had gone to college? Because I mean, UCLA was interested in me at one point, you know, so I could have gotten into a good running school and and had that experience. Um, And now I think about it, you know, I'm, I'm really happy where I'm at. I love OCR and, and being a jack of all trades athlete and finding something that combines everything together like that. I was probably going to end up here anyways, like I said, but I mean, I do wonder like, am I ever actually going to reach like the running potential that I could have had if I had worked with, you know, coaches that are just pull performance out of people and, and been on a team of just top runners. So, I mean, I, I think about that sometimes. I mean, I've, I've worked with some amazing athletes in OCR and some amazing coaches and uh, I've learned a lot, but I, I, if I stick with OCR strictly, I don't know if I'll ever reach, you know, the running potential that I could have if I focused on running. So uh, I actually thought about this a little while ago to focus on OCR and really try to build success. Cause there's a lot more potential for me to make money and make a living um, both as an athlete and maybe even kind of as a coach in this sport than just as just for running. Mm-hmm. So, I do want to focus on this and I want to, I want to win championships, man. I, I've, I, was so looking forward to OCR world championships this year. And that three kid never raced John Alvin in a short race. And I wanted it, man. I wanted to see how fast he actually was, but I, I, I want to do this. and I'm going to focus on it for the next few years, but I, I wouldn't mind, you know, maybe a few years of really good success in OCR taking a step back and maybe focusing towards some track work towards some road running and seeing, what how good i could get if i focused for a year or two just on the running side i mean i'm i'm pretty young i have a lot of uh, a, a lot of years i think of if i keep myself healthy and I, and I train smart that i can i can pursue a lot of different things so i am going to focus on ocr and i'll probably always be an obstacle racing athlete but i wouldn't mind stepping back to see if i could be a good runner to see if that's possible Um, it definitely interests me because sometimes, you know, when I'm in good shape, I start running well. I'm like, dude, what if I focused on this for a minute? What if I Mm -hmm. just focused on running and and dropped, you know, 10 pounds and just saw what could happen? So at some point I might
0: pursue it, but right now I'm OCR. It's interesting to think about, and I kind of have the opposite take. I firmly believe That had I not gone to had OCR been a thing when I was 16, had I not gone to college, I would have been just as good, if not better, by the time I was 25 at OCR. Because college running, as great as it was for for the structure and learning what levels of work look like and learning how high-level athletes live, I never ran volume. I never ran mileage. I I really, really got fast. And there's no use for that in the sport. I got out of college and I had to learn how to run a 30 mile a week and then a 40 mile a week. Like really? Because what, what if that were you training for in college? 800 meters, and then I'd extend up to the mile. Oh, I see. So the the longest I ever ran was a little over four minutes, and so I had this skill set that had been finely tuned that didn't transfer well. Like the overall fitness I had was nice; it was a good place to build from, but. And maybe it'd be different had i been like a 5k 10k guy in college but i feel like i wasted five years of college not wasted but i did not develop aerobically for five years whereas this sport is about strength running not speed running and so i wonder if now that you have that strength running if you added that skill set of like a year or six months of just focusing on sometimes if you come back nastier to our sport but that had you gone to college first, I don't know if you'd be further ahead in our sport as of right now.
2: That makes that makes me feel good.
0: Do you know VJ ran the 300-meter hurdles at the state meet? I did not, but I mean, I guess frame-wise, it shouldn't shock me. And with the hips he has. Well, I'm saying he's got
1: some speed, and he could have maybe dove into that and then lost his endurance training during this time based on some of his faster acumen.
0: Yeah, I think... Kempson's hopping in the shower behind me. He went out for a little run. And so if you hear noises, I can take the camera in there if you guys want. But if you hear noises, it might be Kempson lathering up. How did this happen?
1: I am I was very confused when I had heard that you were playing tennis with Ryan Kempson. First of, Kempson. of all,
0: I may have touched a racket two or three times in my life. So I wouldn't have a week ago. I wouldn't have put any money on me playing tennis. Uh, but he he was in Wisconsin for work. And he just said, hey, I'm coming through. Uh, tomorrow on the way to the airport to pick a guy up. So if you're around, let's do something this afternoon. And he's got this bet, I guess, a thousand dollar bet with this girl that he can beat her in tennis. And she was a, a high school varsity player and he'd never played before. So he's trying to play tennis whenever he can play. And I'm coming off rehab. I can finally use my knees a little bit. And I thought, let's go get, get lateral on a court and see what's, see what's shaking.
1: He must really like this girl. He must be chasing her hard if he's doing that. I don't know what's going
0: on, but he's got a thousand dollars on the line. So we, we brought the kids, he and I, we played daddy daycare, brought the kids to the park and they played and we played tennis. And I think I am going to be really sunburned and sore tomorrow. <laughs> it was like two and a half hours of tennis.
2: Yeah, that's rough. People don't know, like being a runner. Uh, well, I mean, if you train for OCR correctly, you, you really challenge yourself, but a, Running is a very, just like linear thing. Mm -hmm. Like even, even when you're running trails, it it does get a little dynamic. But when you start, I started playing basketball with some friends. Like when COVID popped up, like, uh, everyone started going to the local parts, like one basketball court that hadn't been all like chained up and the hoops Mm -hmm. taken off and we all started playing. I started playing like basketball for a couple hours, two, three times a week. And it whooped me, dude, I was so sore. I'd go play for, I would play like three or four games. And I, I would just be, I would be toast i I have to do an easy run the next day. Cause I
0: was just so messed up from playing basketball. No matter how good of a running shape I'm in basketball shapes different. And, and it doesn't fully carry over. Not at all. Not at all. So anyways, that's how the Kempson thing came up. So he's showering in there and then he's going to head on his merry way. Oh, cute. That's adorable. Had we known we could have done a podcast with them while he's in town, but that'd have been fun. You know, he gave me a text, uh,
1: I think he was in town, had like two hours to kill before a flight, and said, hey, any good trails in the area to go hit? And that's all I had heard from him. Hmm. So he's a, he's a last-minute guy, I think. Is how he I
0: travels think. a decent amount for work, I think.
1: Yeah. Um, VJ, so we'll get back mm-hmm. to you, I suppose. I suppose. All right. Um, so, Brecken, so we basically led up to his start in Spartan Race. We touched a little bit on some success during, but we kind of backtracked. So I want to get more like... Your up and coming, and then present day, man. Like
0: before, we do. I want yeah. to share my first glimpse of VJ Jones in full flight. You should. At the Warrior Dash World Championships it was the first out in California. It was the first time I saw VJ Jones in his yeah. natural element. Show him your mug. Show him your mug. Oh, you got your mug there. I'm drinking right now, dude. It was. I, we don't have to rehash it, but it was everybody in the sport, from Hobie and Cody and Hunter to. Sixteen-year-old VJ, maybe fifteen at the time. Oh no, I was—I think I was
2: thirteen or fourteen at the time. Jeez.
0: So Max King was there. Uh, Ryan Woods was there. There were there were three Olympic trials runners there, and we got out hot. It was this flat, maybe five hundred meter section before we hit a hill, and it got out like a cross country race, but with we had national level runners plus the best OCR athletes in the world, and it got out hot, and I was like, man. I just had Yatsko. I just latched. I thought Yatsko is going to run super smart and so is Hobie. So I just latched onto Yatsko and Hobie and I'm looking at their heels and I look up and I'm in like 20th place and I look ahead and there's this lone figure in long tights, like 20 meters clear of the entire field of animals. <laughs> and it's 13 year old VJ Jones, just with this long, powerful stride. And I thought, well we're either all going to lose or he's really young and he's not quite going to finish the race off, but either way, that, that kid's a runner. So that was my first sighting of VJ Jones.
2: I remember, I remember seeing your name up on the podium when they, uh, they called that. I was like, Bracken and cracker. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then I thought, fo- I followed you on Instagram or something. And then stalked you for a while.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I remember that. That was, how did that race end up? I came in 11th
0: after Which all of Which is not bad yeah so think of the names Hobie Cody Hunter Ryan Woods Yatsko Max King we had two other Olympic trial steeplechasers we had me Chad Trammell that's just 10 off the top of my head guys who have all made national series podiums or been world champions and there were there were many many more guys there so he took 11th in that field
3: yeah yeah that was a that was here rough, we go so. oh, look at this good looking group of guys here hey pal gentlemen
1: welcome to the podcast
3: thank you honored to be here uh that's a great looking little french goatee you got going on there vj thanks man learned it from your brother uh yeah that looks and better than his <laughs> I think. I'm What's little, up? Uh,
1: yours is looking pretty uh spicy too Mr. yeah Kevin. i'm
3: going i'm going straight mario stash right there
1: I got a bone to pick with you. I guess you know when you were in town in Minneapolis, you just hit me up for a trail to run. When you're in when you're in Milwaukee, you hit back enough to actually get together. Well,
3: that's because like I was just planning on using you. Um, I figured, I yeah, figured. and uh, really want to spend some quality time with him. No, it's just it's it's so hit or miss with with work whether I have time or not. You're lucky I don't have feelings.
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty upset. As soon as I move in, you move out. What's going so on? So are there? you
3: are you in um, the Springs I'm now? A- I'm in Colorado Springs right now. I Get moved in here. last week. Wow. Where where like where is in town are you? Uh pushing Black
2: Forest but Monument.
3: Oh, Pretty cool. So you sp- are you spending lots of time with uh Killian down there?
2: Killian's in California for the National Guard right now, but I'm 15 minutes from his front door, dude. I'm gonna be
3: bothering him so much. Yeah, good good luck with that. He's like he's like trying to harness the wind. You can live like be his next door neighbor and you'll never see him.
2: I'm just gonna show up on his front porch, dude. That's the
3: way to do it, man. That's the way to do it. Our role. Hell yeah. Well, hey, boys, I got a roll, but it was good seeing both your beautiful faces. You and too, uh, next time I'm in town, either one of you guys will make sure I, uh, I give you the time of day. Sounds good.
1: You better. I hear uh, I got, I'm actually a really good tennis player, so I teach you things.
3: Dude, I could use all the help. Ha- uh, the reason why I'm playing tennis right now is I bet my friend a $1,000. Um, September 19th, we have an exhibition in Denver. Um, so I've been practicing my butt off. I've never played tennis before in my life for two months ago.
1: Well, work that backhand. That's all I got to say.
3: I'm working on it. Bracken, Bracken's actually, he's got some dirty skills. He, he put up a fight today.
0: <laughs>
3: all, <laughs> all right. Boys. I feel like somehow this
1: podcast just turned into Obstacle Dominator. It like, feels it, like it. Like a flash second. We've gone 60 <laughs> episodes without any flaws. Nobody missing an episode. Me, me and you, Bracken, both have made everything on time. We've never had a guest step in half naked. I feel like somehow because today launches OCR Stars official sign up, <laughs> I think that somehow that mojo is in the world. He
0: corrupted us. Did, he, he, corrupted did us. he tell
1: you who won? What? Well, no, he didn't.
0: You took yeah. it, huh? Yeah, yeah. It, it came down to it, but I, I mean, I'm, I can't lose on my in my hometown in front of my kids. I lied to him. I've never played tennis in my life, by the way. So I'm. No <laughs> <kidding>. <laughs>
1: Let's get back to the uh, the gentleman caller
0: uh, on the uh, screen now. What were we talking about? We're talking about Warrior Dash World Champs. And that, to date, is in my top five most painful races I've ever run. Yeah, Nothing that was to like... speak of obstacle-wise, but we ran so hard that even five-foot walls made me nauseous.
2: Yeah, that was that was a hard race because it was just like you'd jump over cars and run over tires and jump over a hole. There was no like real challenging obstacle.
0: It was cross country. Yeah.
2: Exactly. Yeah. With like a couple barriers, basically like jumping over hay bales or something. But I didn't really have a, any climbing of any kind. Like I didn't know that we were going to have to run hills because the warrior dash I did was near my house. And, uh, it was like some rolling hills, like a cross country course. So that's what I got ready for. So I took off fast. And I'm like, dude, I'm going to smoke these guys. I was in good shape actually going into that. And then we got on this long climb and the climb took forever, Dude. It took so long. I dropped so far back. And then I was running next to Hunter for like a mile. And uh, yeah, that was it was cool to see like a lot of the top guys that I had like looked up to, but it was definitely rough.
0: It was a crazy race. Hunter and I got to the top. The first climb was runnable. It was like maybe 20%. Yeah. And we got to the first, and the top of the climb was like the mile, mile and a half point. And Hunter and I were like in 20th, 25th maybe. And we finished up fifth and sixth. And it was just... We went down the hill and then we hit this maybe like thirty-five, forty five percent three hundred meter cliff we ran up and all fours. All yeah, you hunter we have I have a picture. I was like trying to run up it and hunters on all fours bear crawling behind me. (laughs) And so the runners cracked there, but VJ VJ held on. And that that was I, I can't put into words how nasty the second half of that race felt. It was so bad. Yeah. And then you disappeared for a while. So what'd you do then from 13 until we saw you come back?
1: Well, if you would have made the podcast in time, Bracken, you would have learned all those things.
0: Well,
2: uh, I, I didn't disappear. I just didn't. Um, I, even at that time, I hadn't done a, a Spartan race yet. Mm-hmm. I didn't do my first Spartan race until
0: 2014, I think. So bypass the stuff you already talked about with Kirk, because the audience will hear it. And I guess we can go back to Kirk's original question is. I
1: I just want to know, like, I think you've made it pretty clear that you're committing to this sport. You're taking it seriously and your blinders are on for the moment. As in, like, you want to become the best obstacle course racer that you can possibly be. Um, And part of that, I would consider you've always been in the back of people's minds until 2019. And then you became into the front of their minds. Matt B. Davis's podcast on obstacle racing media with Jack Bauer when he's a guest is arguing like who is the best obstacle racer in the world. And Jack Bauer would argue VJ Jones at that time, for example. That has never been part of the conversation. So I would like to know going from like VJ Jones is on the radar to like VJ Jones is a serious like contender to win big races. Like, how did that transition happen in your training and your mentality? Like, what you've been doing? Like, what did that look like?
2: I grew up. Is that I got what you older? Thinking? Honestly, yes. The training honestly didn't change that much. I, I've I've been a hard worker, um, but I've also been very patient. Like, I, I've read enough to where I've seen where athletes try to do too much too soon, and they'll crack, um, and they'll get injured, and they'll have to take time off. Um, so I've been very slow in my progression. I'm not, I'm pretty low volume compared to a lot of the other racers around. Like I rarely go over a 50 mile week, like that doesn't happen. Um, but I'm starting to push into that now, but from 2018 to 2019, I think it was just consistency in training over the last couple of years. And I got older, like you can probably see a, a difference in the way that I look, um, and and just the build of my body from 2018 to 2019 i think i transitioned from like looking more teenager to looking more 20 and it it definitely uh it it worked because i came out swinging at the beginning of the year not like uh, i was just doing aerobic base running but i ended up winning uh this two socal races when um the uh the danish guys were here Mm -hmm. i was
1: i was there i passed you for a second
2: dude i crumbled you saw you saw i crumbled but then i had this second win that came back and that was kind of the mindset shift as well that i was talking about Mm -hmm. um slowly through the beginning of the year i started realizing like races aren't over when something goes wrong like you can continue pushing and and, and there's a Mm -hmm. lot that can change so uh yeah i honestly think i just got older i grew up and um I'm able to sustain a little more work now, and and some of the work that I put in in the past is starting to pay off. Um, and I know I'm still pretty young, so I got a lot more of that to come. But that that's honestly what I believe happened uh, for 2019. And um, you know, I started working with Rich a couple of years ago, um, and he I've learned so much from that guy. I think as as an athlete that he's worked with, I think I've listened and learned from him more than other people have like a lot of people just take him for his coaching and and do what he puts on the books but i've i've really like asked him questions and and learned a lot about him and we've developed a really good friendship through that but rich definitely changed my like uh approach to running and my run training over the last couple years and it clearly has paid off um and just my understanding of fitness and how it's built and, and everything like that has changed so little bit of props to rich though. Like we started working together in 2018 and then 2019, I had a a beastly year. So
0: that's an important point to make there. You've, you've played the long game with your fitness. You started working with somebody in a year later, like you kind of popped some races I wouldn't say popped them, but you, you launched to that next level, the audience. It's important to drive home to everyone listening that, like these, a new workout style or a new training plan, it doesn't show you in six weeks what it does for you. It's six weeks plus six more weeks and six more weeks and six more weeks. And you add those together and next year you're a different runner. I like that you drove home that point.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I've tried to play the long game um, the whole time. Like you listen to podcasts back in 2017 when I first got on the pro team, I was like, I'm not going to be that competitive in these longer events just because I wasn't ready to just, do a ton of volume and, and totally change the way that I was running, I needed to build into it. And um, I, I've grown to learn about you know training cycles and not just the short ones for races, but the long ones that happen over seasons and why athletes continue to get better with age to a certain point. So yeah, I think, I think I'm gonna get better and better, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely patient with it. And I think I just grew up and I had enough background last year to really start being competitive at this level. And I mean, I'm not competitive in everything clearly, but, uh, for my specialty, the five K's and 10 K's and the more flat stuff, I can definitely throw down.
1: Is, is Rich still coaching you full time, even in, in this period of time?
2: Um, not necessarily. Um, I do talk to him and consult with him a lot about training, especially when I develop a new focus. Um, but I do a lot of my own programming as well. But he does, um, especially when we're preparing for specific races, I, do, I have access to his whole training library since we started um, coaching together with this program we launched. Yep. Um, but we kind of split it. It's kind of 50-50 because uh, there's some things that I like to do. Like I like to take control of my own strength training um, and the way that I prepare for like obstacle specific things. Like I have my own approach, but a lot of the running comes from him.
1: Okay. That's what I had imagined. Um and we want to ask you about your your joint effort coming up here but um I just had a curiosity. So Rich and I have a relationship where we just like bullshit and that's all we do. Like he'll send me something on Instagram and we send like half snarky, half bantering messages back and forth and I enjoy I enjoy Rich Diaz immensely, okay? Um I think he still is like a more misunderstood guy by some. And yeah. so yeah, and so I appreciate Rich. We talk about scotch and we just bullshit about smoking stogies together. You know, Rich, okay. Better than I do. What is working with Rich Diaz like? It's a question that I've had. Like, I don't know how you take it, how you want, but what is working with him like?
2: Well, at first I went to see him and, um, you know, it was just all ears. I didn't come in with any. I, all I knew that was he coached Hunter. I didn't really know anything about his approach to training or, or what he does, anything like that. He just met me at a local event and he said, come through for a clinic that he was hosting. And I said, okay. So I came in, he started talking about running mechanics. We did a VO2 max test and all this stuff. And he started telling me about uh, you know, the numbers. And that's a lot of what he's about is, is putting in work based on the numbers that he finds himself, not using a chart uh to find your heart rate zones based on your age nothing like that he wants to work with you based on what he found about you so it was hard to argue with what he was saying because he could show me the numbers of what my heart rate was doing based on you know respiratory exchange right there so i'm I'm gonna be like no i don't think so that's not right so um i mean he's just he's got a ton of knowledge he's been doing this so long he's worked with so many athletes he's seen almost everything so when i when i tell people i tell him he's my encyclopedia of uh of running knowledge and he just um i use him as as a reference and a coach a lot um since i do a lot of some of my own programming and he does some of it sometimes uh he's a busy guy so i let i let him focus on what makes him the most money but um yeah, he's he's pretty stubborn about the way that he goes about things because you know it, it's it's a lot based on what he has personally found, right? So if you try to tell him that he's wrong, he's like, "Well, I've been doing this for twenty years. Why do you think that I'm wrong?" And a lot of people don't want to accept that someone can have a different uh, approach to something. They try to convince him that he's wrong, and that's where people butt heads with him because he's just a really opinionated guy. But he's a great dude, and I, I honestly really uh, enjoy working with him as a coach. And we've become really good friends.
1: Is he your? Is he sort of your foreseeable coach uh, as far as as far as racing goes in the future?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially with the new approach he's developed, I've actually enjoyed it a lot. You guys already did a podcast with him about his flow and the new uh, the new book he wrote and everything. And I, I really like that approach. There are some tweaks that I like to make to adjust the workouts and stuff. But then again, that's what he talked about. He wants you to kind of personalize the workouts based on on what you're working for and what works for you as well, as well as using the numbers. So yeah, I'm going to continue working with Rich. I mean, as far as running, I can't imagine having a better running coach. Um, And I I can handle the strength training myself. So yeah, I'm going to stick with Rich.
0: What's the most important things that you've taken away from him? Uh, he's your encyclopedia, but like, let's say that you will go up tomorrow. There's no more rich Diaz in the world. What would you continue? What, what are the pieces you keep from him that you hold very dear in your training?
2: Um, other than just the knowledge that I've collected from him based on training with heart rate, like what endurance is, you know, knowing about the different parts of your body that, that give you endurance fitness and how to, approach each of those things. The thing that he always drives home and the thing that we always end up falling back towards is running mechanics and the way that your body moves. Because if there's something wrong in the way that you're moving, it doesn't matter how hard you're working, you can have a barrier that you can't break through as far as speed and efficiency. So Rich has really drilled it into my head that you need to keep your running mechanics sharp You need, you can't fall back on that. You can't like, um, let it get too ugly and say like, oh, I just run the way that I run because there is a correct way to run just like everything else. There's a correct way to do something and there's a way not to do it. So, um, as far as a running mechanics perspective, he has, um, dialed me in really well. And I've seen the most benefit just from that. Once we started working on cadence and everything like that, I saw my aerobic pace, within a couple of days, drop almost 30 to 40 seconds. As soon as I started um, integrating that new that new uh, form and, and training and everything. Cause I was already close when I started working with him as far as four foot strike and the way that I was running, but he just cleaned me up. And it's something that I still work on almost on a weekly basis from motor skill development drills and things like that, to make sure that I'm moving as efficiently as possible. Um, though, Take Alabama's race last year, where I had a really good running performance. The last time I saw him, right before that, we I saw him like three days before the race. And we only worked on running mechanics. Put he put me on a metronome, he put the treadmill at like 440 pace, and we just worked it out, figured um to find the most efficient way for me to move. And honestly, I feel like that really made a difference going into that race because we cleaned up. Uh, a little like overstriding that I was having. And I sat at 440 pace for a couple minutes and I felt really good. Like it just clicked just based on changing mechanics. Like the fitness was already there. It was the same as last week, but it just, it makes the biggest difference. And I feel like that, that would be my number one takeaway from rich, uh, just keeping the mechanics in line and, and following that.
1: You're saying 30 to 40 seconds per mile faster with the same heart rate once you cleaned up your mechanics on like an aerobic run? That's like that's like exponential, wouldn't you agree, Bracken? Like that's astounding if, if that's the case.
2: And that was changing with cadence as well, not just mechanics. Because um, I've historically been an overstrider before I started, uh, you know, working with Rich and learning about, you know, cadence and everything. Um, I don't think cadence is a one-size-fits-all thing like for every terrain and everything like that, but I do believe it has its place. So once I adjusted to that, I'd say about a week later, not enough to make big aerobic gains, but I was actually moving quite a bit faster where I was, I think at the time I was floating around like a 740, 750 average for my easy runs at like a 145 heart rate or something like that. And it moved down to closer to the lower sevens. Right. And, now I'm getting to the point where you know, in aerobic runs, where I'm 145 to 150 heart rate, I'm touching into the 640s, 630s sometimes, and it's just, it uh, mechanics has been huge. And even now, when things get ugly, I start cleaning them back up. I see the results in in my daily runs, the 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 routines. It just cleans up, and you can move so much faster, and you can move faster for longer, just based on changing the way you move, and it, it's. Once I really got it, once I finally accepted what he was saying, it just, it made such a huge difference.
0: Have you ever overextended your cadence? Have you ever gotten, like, tried to take that next step? Well, if 180 is good, 185 is good, if 185 is good, have you gotten to a point where there you started negatively impacting your runs? So
2: the thing that actually helped the most wasn't 180 at a slower pace. It was 180 at a faster pace, where if you're running say 440 mile pace and you're running at 190 it costs you a lot more than when you're running at 180 so i there is a certain point where you get up to a certain speed and your legs just have to move faster because you can't maintain um, good ground contact but i actually found the 180 cadence helped me more when i slowed my cadence down to 180 versus bringing it up to 180 at the slower Hmm. paces. So when I'm running, like going into Alabama and Seattle, you'll probably see people taking more steps than I was, um, when people were running next to me, but actually it was just that my ground contact was really good and I could afford to have that longer stride staying around 180 at those faster paces And, and it worked.
0: That's interesting.
2: Yeah, because when your feet are moving faster, it's costing you more. Now, a lot of people talk about 180, and they're like, man, we got to speed up our legs because the cadence is so slow. But when you're running fast, like you take any good runner that can is capable of running those faster paces, your feet are going to start moving faster. So my initial instinct, I was probably running 190 when I'm running like repeats at the track, when now I'm closer to 180, and I have this longer, more efficient stride, but my ground t- contact stays the same.
1: Hmm. I'll be working with Rich when I'm back. I'm I'm ten weeks without running right now, the stress fracture that won't heal, and I'm gonna I'm gonna team up with him and see if we can get to work once I'm back to running. So I'll be curious to experience it. So watch out, young
0: Buck. So I have a follow-up follow questions from that. Then, so you're not near Rich anymore. So do you guys do anything through video, or do you run and watch in mirrors at all, or what What do you do for your queuing to make sure that you're you're firing properly.
2: I would, uh, I, I don't need him to look at me as much anymore. We've been working together a lot and I've been helping, uh, I'm actually kind of like the assistant rich at the clinics. Okay. Uh, when we're working, running mechanics with people, I actually work with people, um, separately. Like if we're at the track or something, he'll take half the group. I'll take half the group. So I'm pretty in tune. Um, and I'm going to go back to California pretty often. Like I'll be down there almost every clinic. So if I ever want to go work in person with him, I'll go work in person with him. I don't want to do anything virtually. Um, as far as training, I mean, I talk to him pretty often. I talk to him once or twice a week. Uh, we get on live for our training group every every week. So we chat during that. And um, Yeah, but I, I'm still in contact with him as far as training. But as far as mechanics go, since I've worked with him so much, uh, like on his treadmill and hearing what he's saying uh, like when i make adjustments to my form and and i've really connected a lot of dots there to where i can keep myself dialed um pretty well through like the motor skill development drills and stuff that he's he's created and uh
0: yeah works well so how much of what you do now is treadmill based and how much is is outside on the trails
2: i try to get off the treadmill as much as possible i can't stand it mm-hmm. um The only time I'll do it is if I need, uh, if I'm going to do like compromise running where I want to have an incline or something. So if I want to do some strength training and then jump on, you know, 15% grade. uh, So I'll keep the treadmill running. That's the only time that I really want to hop on uh, the treadmill simply because, um, well, mainly because I don't like it. But also Mm -hmm. that since the belt's moving, you're going to move slightly differently when you're off of that. And now I'm in Colorado, and I got trails everywhere. So why would I why would I stop and run on the treadmill when I could just be outside as much as possible?
0: And and since you do like the flats in the five to ten k distance, do you train to that, or are you getting a lot of vert out there and trying to work on the other pieces?
2: Well, I've only been here about a week, so I'm starting to work in more climbing, but still climbing just whoops me out here just because the altitude. But I will start working on. It. I'm trying to get more climbing and just putting more climbing volume in. I mean, I know how to train for, for like a super, um, with a lot of, vert. like Utah last year, I was really ready for that race. I just had some nutrition problems going in. Um, I think I could have had a really good showing there cause I climbed really well. I just descended really terribly. So I know what works for me and mm-hmm. I, I will start using, you know, the altitude and the mountains out here to my advantage, but, I never neglect flat speed work. Uh, it's it's good to have leg speed. It's good to have good mechanics at speed. And I don't think it's ever going to hurt. And I don't think I'll ever like totally go away from, you know, track work and, and road work just because I love doing it. And I, I think, I think it's really worth it.
0: I like that. It's a good answer.
1: Let's uh, let's bring things forward to this season that, never rest in peace happened. Uh, We talked about briefly, and then I said we'd get back to it later when we had started this was like, you gotta be a little disappointed coming into like, you know, peak fitness, really arriving on the scene, kind of being a household name and, and a favorite to win a lot of races. And then that was obviously taken away from you and everybody else. But like, how are you feeling about it all? What have you been doing to keep yourself going this year?
2: Like, Where's your mind at? Um, Some people can just maintain like this hard training mentality and, and not miss anything. Like even without events, that's, that's not me. I like to train for my events. So once things uh, cut back originally, um, well, initially this was only supposed to be like three weeks or something, right? Like we're supposed to Mm -hmm. uh, socially distance or safer at home for a little while. So, I thought only we were only going to miss Seattle. And we'll come back. And it was actually a relief to me because I was having a little little nagging shin pain um, late last year. So I couldn't get back to the running that I wanted to do soon enough to be ready for that race in Jacksonville. Though I think I uh, was in pretty good shape at the time, I don't think I was in as good a shape as I could have been if I had an extra month to prepare for. Mm -hmm. Um, I was like stress training. Uh, after Jacksonville, I was like, man, like my, my leg speed just isn't like there. I you really need to work because I'm going to have a longer race now. So I was like stress training, like every workout, like this workout needs to be as good as possible to maximize so I can be ready for this race. Like I only have a few weeks and then it got canceled. And it was actually kind of a relief. I was like, thank goodness. Like I have an extra month to get ready for this next event. But then it just kept going and going. And uh, eventually I just backed down on my training, just started doing like, you know, just aerobic runs and one intensity workout a week just to keep kind of sharp. But I'm not I wasn't like training up for anything and maintaining peak fitness or anything like that. Just just maintaining really uh, just a, like a 75, 80 percent version of myself, really. Uh, so, yeah, it's been it's been a long time.
0: When we looked at the season's scope, I just looked at Dubai or Abu Dhabi and thought, VJ is going to be really tough to beat there. It's not as mountainous as, as Tahoe. It's not at altitude, and we know he can run in shifty terrain. Were you as excited for that as I thought you might be?
2: I was definitely excited um, to get on a course that wasn't, you know, 4,000 feet again, it's 7,000 feet elevation because my first World Championships was the second, I think it was the second year in Tahoe, and every World Championships I've done has been at Tahoe. I've never done OCR World Championships. It was the only World Championship event I've been able to make it to since Warrior Dash. So I was definitely excited to change it up. I was a little sketched at where it was because I didn't really know much about that area and only what I've heard but it seems to be a really beautiful and and really cool place to go. So I was very excited. Um, And as we learned more about the venue and how they were going to run it, we weren't just going to be running through sand. They were going to lay out these mats over the sand to make it more runnable terrain for us. So the flatter the course, the more speed I can maintain and the better chance I have because every minute we go over an hour is less competitive for me. Like 90 minutes is a real barrier for me to try to break. Like going over that point historically has been really bad. Last year, I kind of figured it out and I had a decent race in West Virginia because I was able to sustain longer than that. But it's really uh, a difficult place for me to get over 90 minutes with the amount of volume that I'm carrying and just my background. So uh, if it's flatter, there's a better chance of staying near that. So I was very, very excited. And uh, interested to see how I could fare against some of these uh, some of these guys that have been so good at the championships beforehand. Now coming to a, a flat area,
1: make your predictions. Would you have been on a uh, Would you have chased the series uh, in full this year, and would you have ended up on the podium for the overall series?
2: For the series, I don't think I was going to race all the series races. You weren't. Um, no, there was a couple events that I didn't want to. Uh, Do because it was just out of my uh, scope. I honestly forget what the series looked like now. I think Utah was a beast. Yeah. um, And there was another beast at some point. And I was actually just going to focus. I think it was West Virginia was the last in the series and was a beast this year, I believe. So my main focus this year actually wasn't Spartan because it was going to be in December. I was focusing towards OCR worlds and I wanted to hit that three K really hard so my whole year was just sprints and supers i wasn't doing anything in that long uh that longer range and Mm. so i was i was getting ready for it dude like i was i was ready for ocr Worlds. like coming off the 3k win last year i know what it takes i know what the terrain is there and i wanted it so that was my focus the whole year like i wanted to have mad leg speed i wanted to be able to sustain for just 15 minutes of all out like hardcore um so I wasn't going to waste my time trying to prep for any of these beasts just because it wasn't going to be worth it.
1: Mm.
2: And uh, so for the U.S. National Series, I probably wasn't going to pursue it; it wasn't really worth it to me. Um, but I did want to come in and and win the couple races that I could. Like I knew I was capable of winning or placing in Jacksonville, so I came in hard for that. Was going to do Seattle. Um, I forget what the other race was. Montana. But- Montana. I was probably gonna do that too. I know it's mountainous and I hear there's a lot of bushwhacking and stuff, but it was gonna be short enough to where I could maybe, you know, salvage a good finish. And I've never been to Montana, so why not, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, it was I wasn't gonna go for the point series, but I was just gonna come in and, and mess it up where I could. But OCR Worlds was the main focus
0: this year. And unfortunately for us, no more. You mo. seem to be one of the rare individuals in our sport that doesn't get caught up in everybody else's hype for what race matters you go after the ones that you're ready to win and that excite you and are good for you and you don't look and say well the sport's about mountains and it's about beasts i need to be prepped for that you're like hey this is my ground here i'm gonna show up on my ground and beat everybody and i don't need to go to stuff i don't care about
2: i think that's gonna really start taking uh precedence here, like you look at a lot of the racers in Europe. Like you look at Leon, for example, he's a short course guy. That's what he does, and nobody shits on him because he's focusing on that because that's what he's he's good at, and that's what he's going to focus on. Like um, the thing about obstacle racing in the U.S. for some reason, it's it's very it's Spartan race, right? Mm-hmm. And they think that you're not. A, a, for some reason, people have this mindset: you're not a good athlete if you're not winning in the long mountain races. And mm. I've been fighting that for a while and I mean, uh, whatever, I don't care. But people think that you, you, you can't specialize. You, there's only one test of fitness and that's Tahoe. And if you're not mm. performing at Tahoe, then you, what, what are you, you know? Cause I saw that so much, like their post come up, would come out. Like Spartan race would be like, you know, VJ Jones wins Alabama. So it'd be like, but what about how's he doing the mountains though? It's like, all right, dude. Um, but I think. As the athletes get better, as the competition gets stiffer, people are going to have to start prioritizing what their strengths are. There's nobody running the mile and the 10K in the Olympics, right? So eventually, there's going to be more championships for short races and separate championships for long races. And if you want to win one of those, you're not going to be able to win both. So People taking the more specific approach to what they're going to train for is what's going to make the athletes in this sport really great. There's a few people like Atkins, you know, that can do all of it and be really good, but eventually people are going to need to focus on on what matters to them and what they want to be good at.
0: Yeah, mm. and in the Olympics, they don't say that guy, he won the 1500 meters, but he would have fallen off the pace in the 10k. You know, they don't have that right. attitude towards it where well, he can't run the marathon. They, they celebrate what you're good at rather than about the thing that you're not skilled at. Like if you weren't born to run three hours, why would you want to bash your head against the wall trying to become that unless you want to? Like there's no shame in being great at 60 minutes of work. And there's just like, there's no shame of only being good at ultras. But right now in our sport, the ultra specialists are kind of like, well, they're not fast enough to do real racing. And the short course guys like, well, they're not going they to have good enough fitness to do the beast and Tahoe. At some point, it would be great if your vision comes true and the short course specialists are celebrated and the, the 10K guys are celebrated and the ultra guys are celebrated. But there's not like one race that's considered you're not good unless you can win that one.
2: Yeah, it's going to have to as the competition goes, it's, it's going to have to happen. And it's already happening in Europe. You'll Mm -hmm. see athletes that that just focus on these shorter distance races. And some people focus on the longer stuff. And um, eventually it'll catch on here. We're stubborn, but it'll catch on. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm excited for that day because there's going to be some fast guys out here um, coming out for, you know, the 5k uh, races that we have. So
0: Mm -hmm. talking to Kempson today about Hunter, and I said, if nothing else the Hunter's ever shown me has stuck, the one thing that in this last year and time away from racing has stuck with me is when he says, just be great at one thing, maybe two similar things, but like choose your thing that you were made to do and be great at that. And stop like pissing around being mediocre at things that other people care about. And that that's kind of the mindset moving forward. Be great at what you're great at. If it's your passion. And there's no shame in that.
2: I don't think there's any more to add.
0: I think, uh, I, think uh, I, I realized
1: for you that you weren't influenced by what other people wanted you to race, it was when you showed up to Big Bear and raced day two on a US National Series race weekend. It was like, oh, VJ doesn't give a shit about what other people want him to do. It's VJ is doing what he knows is best for him and what excites him. And, and some people may have scoffed at that, but I had more tipped my hat to the idea that he's staying in his own
2: lane. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I, I kind of got like last minute. I was like, Oh dude, I should just hop in the beast just to do it. But I wasn't, pr- I wasn't trained for that. And, um, throwing a beast in the middle of the series when there's still like sprints and supers around, it was so silly. Like if you want athletes to actually perform at their best, you got to structure the season a certain way. Yeah. And, uh, that, that mm-hmm. wasn't, Totally incorrect as far as like where my fitness was. And I knew that. And, you know, the second day people forget was a mountain series race. So I won a mountain series race that day. Don't forget that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I mean, I showed up for the sprint and I loved that race actually. That was a great race. They cut it into two laps and it was short. It was like a two mile sprint and we did all the obstacles twice. And that was awesome. I think there's something to that. They should maybe revisit. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I've had enough people tell me that I can't run mountains and I can't run long. And that makes me like, you know, not as good of an athlete. And like people that understand fitness, the people that op- their opinion actually matters. They understand that you have to train for like what you're doing. And if you're going to be the best on a 5K course, you're not going to be the best on the half marathon course. And I understand that. And I'm OK with it. Yeah. So
0: it's the sign that a sport has matured when you're no longer expected to, to play multiple roles. Like when's the last time you saw someone in the NFL play offense and defense consistently? Yeah. You know, you there's one player in major league baseball who pitches and is a designated hitter consistently. As just when a sport arrives and fulfills its its potential, the only way to be a part of it is to be a specialist. And Absolutely. we'll get there. Give it give us some time. We'll uh
2: we'll figure it out. And you know, if they want this sport to be as serious as you know, they're trying to push it to be, um, that's what it's going to take.
0: So what is your best then if, before we move to other things, if you got to choose one race to be world champ at, what would the distance be and the terrain?
2: Um, you know, if you put a 3k race together, I think the terrain doesn't really matter that, that short of a time. Um, you're not going to get a huge mountain climb in there. There's going to be a lot of leg speed involved. And right now I would say I have the best chance of being a world champion in that 3k. Um, it's a really good distance for me. And maybe even if we pushed it to 5k, but I'd say like at heart, I'm still kind of a miler, like I'm a good, good miler. And, um, I don't think you're ever going to see a mile obstacle course race just because there's it's a lot to put into something so short. Yeah. But uh, that, that 3K to 5K range is going to be really good for me over these next few years, and I'm going to continue to focus on that. I'll expand out, do the 10Ks, the 15Ks, but don't expect to see me out on the beast course very often unless I take a step back and I train for it and prepare correctly for it. Cause I, I'm, I'm not gonna train for a super and a beast the same way. They're actually so much different. Uh, people don't understand how different those are. It's twice as long. Especially right?
0: now that it's 10K rather than those supers that are 10 to 12 miles. Yeah,
2: really. Well, uh, I got to go in a couple minutes. Any last questions we can address? I'm sorry to cut it yeah. short guys.
1: <laughs> no, no, it's all good. I just want to ask real quick. Uh, can you give us your elevator speech on what you and Rich have going on, your collaboration? Oh, yeah. Um,
2: We started the OPP, the OCR Performance Project. OPP,
0: uh, huh? Yeah, you know
2: me. That's right, baby. Going to get some shirts made. But, uh, yeah, so based on what I was telling you guys earlier, how I take a lot of my strength and obstacle-specific training myself, I program that myself, um, we had an idea, like, why don't we put together, like, a, a training program for people where they can take my obstacle ability. And I have like actual skill development that I put together as well for obstacles to prepare you for what you need to be able to do to be successful and make it through obstacles faster. Um, Put that with Rich's running background and and what he does best. And we put that together and it's been really cool. Um, It's a group training. we got a Facebook group. So everyone's, everyone's doing the same training. So they're all getting to interact and compare with each other Then we go live once a week to explain the training and really break things down so there's emphasis on running mechanics on the way that he trains people with his new approach with the flow and then there's me where i'm doing you know obstacle specific and their strength training and i'm implementing most of that and i'm bringing my experience for the courses that we've raced and uh, what people are training for i can Tweak things and show them what has worked for me and given me success at these different courses because I've actually been around for a couple years now And I've, I've raced a lot of the courses that people are training for so I know what's coming um, And it's been great. I mean we only started a month ago and one of our guys dropped a minute off his 5k time already and uh, He went from a 1740 to a 1640 and that's That's pretty dang good in my book. So um yeah, it's been great, and I'm uh, I'm excited to go forward, especially once the season starts. We're going to chase that uh, that U.S. National Series, so that'll be really good. Um, so we can train specifically for those events. Uh, but right now, I think we're going to turn focus a little bit towards that uh, that OCR Stars
0: that Hunter has coming out soon. I want to see you some. Uh, How much time do you have here? A minute. All right, give me your brief take on what is the style of strength training you like to do circuit training. I don't
2: do much low intensity lifting except occasional power movements. Usually before a workout, I'll do say five by five weighted pull-ups or I'll do like five by five heavy deadlifts. Um, but most of my strength training is either in the form of compromise running, like an OCR specific thing, which is like maybe once a week, not very often, but the rest of it is like a high intensity 20 to 30 minute circuit training session. And That works for me. You don't need to move a ton of weight to be a successful obstacle racer. Um, there's rarely any time that I'm using a, you know, anything heavier than 135, like on a barbell, um, yeah. other than like heavy deadlifts. But if you're if you can move that kind of weight, you're going to be successful. So,
0: yeah. Okay. It it's different than what a lot of people preach, but at the end of the day, if you can run really well already without power strength work then all you need to be able to do is functionally get through obstacles without blowing yourself up or getting injured.
2: Yeah, pretty much. And uh, honestly, a lot of the progression lately, like my strength training is really maintenance at this point, except when I'm training for specific things, a lot of it has come in experience and skill development. That's what sets people apart when you become really efficient on these obstacles. And I'd rather make a big move and spend four seconds on an obstacle than be like slow and waste extra time and energy on an obstacle for 10 12 seconds if there's a way to get through it fast i'm going to find it and that's the way i'm going to go about
0: it well and think of the effort it would take to gain five seconds over a a quarter mile of running versus five seconds on a twister you know it's just exactly easy and and you did that you showed that in races where you'd fly through you'd make your move and you move on so i know we're running up against our window here so vj thank you for coming on love to have you back again and talk actual nuts and bolts of training for sure. Yeah, I'd be down for that. I, I,
2: I've been a big fan of you guys since you guys have started. So excellent oh, thank you. work. And, and I'm honored to be a guest.
0: We're a big fan of you, too. We like what you're doing. You train systematically and intelligently. And you can't hate that on that. Thank you, man. Appreciate yeah. it. Well, enjoy the springs. And maybe I'll see you out there.
2: Oh, yeah, dude. Let me know if you're in town.
0: And uh, we'll pow out. I got a big house here. Appreciate that. We'll see you, man. Have a good one.